<clears throat> nobody, 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 nobody. Nobody rage short stories. Hey everyone, I'm Jeremy. And I'm Megan. And you're watching Nobody Read Short Stories, and this is a very special episode, right, Megan? That's right. It's our very special Valentine's Blast Fiction episode. So tonight we're going to have seven very short stories, and they're going to be flash fiction. And the, for those of you who don't know, flash fiction is uh, 200, about 250 words or less. And just a heads up, some of them can get kind of raunchy, so if you have kids that are watching... Maybe don't have them watch this one. And yeah. we have some tech technical issues, but we'll go into that later. Just wanted to give you the heads up. Uh, yes. So here we have, first up, Margot and Constant by John Zelazny. Margot's top was gone before she was across the floor and in his embrace, their fingers working frantically in and around each other to free her from her skirts and under things. And before any further words were spoken, she was astride him like a mad woman. So desperate for the filling of him, she nearly wept, rutting with no dignity, like animals unleashed, unthinking, unknowing, that highest high somewhere so close at hand, just around this precise bustle, that tiny fold of flesh, right there, no, there, no, there, 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 and there, both their throats rasping toward mutual victory. Round one complete, man and woman complete, love complete, better than dance, she thought. Oh my God, how much better than dance. Those poor foolish girls who thought a grand allegro, the pinnacle of physical existence. They lay back together, each with a trembling hand over the other's privates as though laying claim. And the greatest thing about round one was knowing that a bit of restive talk and fooling would be followed by the more nuanced round two, the slow building round three, a bit of sleep, a bit of food, then the uncivilized ravaging of rounds four, five, perhaps six, and sometimes even seven. Backstage gossip had it that males required heroic amounts of coaxing beyond first release. In this regard, Constant was apparently a prodigy as well. The subtlest caress or breath had the man back at full mast. What they needed was a bloody starting gate like at the dog track to give her little brown bunny a ghost of a chance. God, she loves sex, she thought, fanning herself, drawing her fingertips lovingly about her damp sheen. Loved, loved, loved sex and adored this beautiful and outrageous man who loved it even more. It was their shared secret that in each other, they'd something to worship beyond their own impossibly prodigious talents. So John writes, in writing of the real life long-term affair of the composer Constant Lambert and ballerina Margot Fontaine, I needed to make clear the role Eros played in the relationship. She was a beautiful young woman with the perfect body he, 15 years older and in serious physical decline, yet their sexual relations endured for years, long after they'd given up any realistic hope of making a life together. They kept the affair from the public, a secret from all but their closest friends, yet even when rumors circulated amidst their colleagues, people found the gossip difficult to believe. Outwardly as different as night and day, 
the lovers were unquestionably fused at the most primal level. So I really love this story. Um, I, I think it really encompasses the idea of a flash fiction. Like it really feels like a flash in the pan and you get so much, like you're in that moment from right from the bat. And I, I think it just, it, it's so, it's so much happens and you get so much from just such a few words. I think John really nailed it. Very, very vivid characters. And you should check out his work because he continues with these characters as well. Uh, um, yes, and uh, if you would like to listen to some more of John's work, we did feature him um, in season two, last season, and the name of his episode is How Admiral Bajat Defeated the Soviet Navy. So you can check that out. Quinn and Alex by M.D. New. Quinn stood ramrod straight, scanning the area for trouble. Still, his stare would move to Alex in their full lips long eyelashes and dark hair. He could lose himself in the gentle sway of Alex's hips as they moved. He shifted his stance, examining the surroundings. A voice over his earpiece called his attention. Everything was secure. Alex had hired Quinn and his team three years back after an incident with the fans' threats. An event like that could be easy for someone delicate like Alex. Quinn was the opposite of delicate. In high school, he was a defensive lineman. After graduation, he went into the Marines, and now he put his size and stills to use in security. Hey, big guy, Alex hurried past. Quinn nodded. Big guy. At one time, Quinn thought big guy was a special nickname Alex had for him. Quinn's heart would skip a beat each time. But no, big guy was how Alex addressed the security team, except for Nancy. Nothing special existed between them, no matter how much Quinn's heart ached. Quinn did his job, checked in, and ensured his client's safety, always sparing a glance for Alex, hoping. Alex left the stage, stumbling as he fumbled towards Quinn. Quinn reached out. You okay? His voice boomed. Alex squeezed Quinn's arm. Fine. Their hazel gaze reached Quinn, a flush on their cheeks. You're always there, Quinn. Thank you. The moment lingered longer than needed. Let's go. Quinn's heart skipped a beat. Maybe. The end. So MD writes about this story. We all have hopes and dreams for romance that we may never find. However, sometimes love takes time and a single spark. Yeah, I really like this piece. I love, I love that he features uh, diverse characters. And I love that this piece is between two people that you don't usually see a story about. Yes, and I, I really like about how it's kind of the like, sort of, you know, ex-lineman guy who's kind of pining. I think that's a little bit of a- I love that. Of a different um, set of circumstances that we would normally see in a story about someone pining for someone Oof. else. So, hello, but, lineman. Yes, oh, hello. Oh, yes. hello there. <laughs> so if you would like to uh, hear another one of MD's stories, he uh, finished out season two with his wonderful heartwarming story, a dragon for Christmas, so uh, please check that out. Maria Lucia is way too beautiful, and she knows it, by Glenn Schiffman. Her long, lush black hair backdrops bold eyes, impish nose, and a Mona Lisa smile. In two days, she will leave Dulles International for Athens. 
Will I never see her again? Will I never again experience her come hither way? All sensual tease, no emotional feel. Already her memory is so heartbreaking has blocked the weak sense we first kissed in early morning fog in San Francisco and the day we bathed naked near Steamboat Springs. I've driven 2,000 miles, saved her hundreds of dollars. Now in the rest area off I-64 in Eastern Kentucky, since she needs to stretch her textbook legs every few hours. As she poses for my camera under a hickory tree, how can she not remember me? On the LCD screen, I frame her Olympian figure. She focuses directly on the lens. There is a model's ease to her pose. I shut her off one digital memory after another, hoping to capture a hint of affection in the crease between her lips. But the cut of her jaw never changes. She swallows just once after the sixth click of the camera. Does she already taste the Mediterranean salt air? How I want to go with her, if only to curl my toes next to hers in the white sand. A penny for your thoughts, I ask. Athens is so polluted this time of year. The air is so bad. I won't be able to jog, she sighs. So Glenn writes about this story. I wrote it from a writing prompt. Someone was way too beautiful, etc. And that reminded me of someone I knew. A girl who, when she was growing up, was told over and over, you're so pretty, you're going to be a heartbreaker when you grow up. And of course she was. <laughs> oh, Glenn. I love Glenn. <laughs> yeah. So the the thing I love about this this story is, is a, how the object of our affection doesn't always, isn't always like the most complex person that we think they are, you know? But I just love that that ending line where, and I and I wonder what he thinks after he hears that line. Like, yeah, I love what goes through his head. I love that this is so big to him, like so important. And for her, it's just another dude that likes her, and she yeah. has at this point in her life just filtered it out. She's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and even the differences in what they think, like when he thinks of. Athens, he thinks of the Mediterranean sand and she's thinking of the smog. smog. You know, they're just like way off. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to uh, hear another one of Glenn's story, his fabulous story, Whirlwind Woman, was featured in season one. So you can check that out on uh, any of our platforms and also on our YouTube page. My Palette by Carol Ann Sefflinger. My cold breath on the window pane is the palette through which I see the world. If the art I create seems flawed, I merely erase it, wiping it away with my blanket wrapped hand to avoid the chill and breathe again. At least that always used to work. But when I look at our lives together, I want to frost the pain again and rework the magic I fancied I once could do with one finger carving the beauty into the portrait and another wiping the ugly bits away. I thought it could be foolproof until I began to understand what that word really meant. I can never be immune to my own fallibilities. So I asked for help to breathe the frosty life into what are the remains of our wintry connection. You are not ready, you say, for something permanent, and I understand. I am older, closer to wanting to settle down. Still, our passion has conjured so much steam upon that window pane, it is impossible to imagine our ever parting. 
I draw on the frost and later on the steam, but the image is still found wanting, though I can't quite fathom why. Now when I look back, I see what was missing. Love there was, humor there was, passion there was, but pure, unadulterated devotion, that was the missing ingredient. I couldn't draw it, you couldn't offer it. We were not to last forever. Still, our time together remains etched in my heart, always. Carol Ann writes, I wrote my palette in remembrance of a relationship I had with a younger man when we were in an acting workshop together. Our bond was so strong and we connected on so many levels that it seemed the age difference was ever so inconsequential until it wasn't. Yeah, I really like this story because of the, this idea of devotion. Um, I guess it's not something that we talk a lot about when we talk about relationships. You know, we might talk about sexual compatibility or do they like the same things or this and that. But I, but I was caught by this idea of devotion and how important that aspect of a relationship is because you you do want somebody who is who is going to be committed to you in that sense. I agree. I love I love Carol Ann's short story writing. She, speaking of, has two flash fiction pieces for us on our first season, right, Megan? That's right. She um, in season one we did Annie and my mother's doll. Uh, both are, are very personal and uh, very much Carol Ann. So if you haven't listened to those yet, please check them out. All right. So this right. is a little bit stranger. Um, Megan, it was your idea. So I want you to be the person to tell people about it. I think it's cool. <laughs> so all the authors that we featured here on uh, this special episode are authors that we featured on Nobody Reads before. And on season one and season two. Also, uh, Jeremy and I like to feature a dead author in each season. So in season one, it was Marie Corelli. And in season two, it was Mary Shelley. And uh, since we didn't want to do a seance and bring out the smelling salts uh, to have Mary and Marie come back and write us a story, uh, Jeremy and I decided that it would be cool if we wrote um, a short story in homage to the ladies. So when Megan told me about this, I immediately texted, I get Mary Shelley. I get Mary Shelley. <laughs> That's right. Um, so without further ado, here is Elixir number 13 by Jeremy Ray, an homage to Mary Shelley. The story is true. I knew Mary very well. We were girls in the same orphanage. A woman in those days could not apprentice for a scientist. Instead, she worked as his maid. As orphans, we saw what love did for those fortunate enough to have it. Men treat lovers like queens. I suspect she thought if she held the secrets to love in her fingers, she'd never have to serve under another man again. Unfortunately for her, she fell in love with the scientist's handsome apprentice. The handsome lad did not feel the same, and with no cure for her own, her only hope was an elixir. The scientist's potions were all failures, numbers 1 through 12. While the scientist slept, she took notes from his observations. Days, weeks, months, she sleeplessly worked until she created elixir number 13. She slipped it into the apprentice's morning brew. It took only an hour before the change came. 
He looked wolfish with his big brown eyes. She did not protest him pulling her into the cellar. Or when his fingers tore her bodice open, his mouth opened and closed like a ravenous beast. Take me, she said, and he did. He sank his teeth into her neck and tore away a piece of her flesh. The scientist shop closed after that. The maid was never seen again. The story is true. Before you ask me how I know, let me get out of this chair and show myself in the light. Good job, Megan. Creepy deepy. You did that creepy deepy. Thank you very much. That's what you asked for. <laughs> I sure did. So if you want to hear um, a real Mary Shelley story, you can check out the uh, Mortal Immortal, which is read by Jerry, Jeremy, featured in season two. <laughs> That's my name too, Jerry Works. Yeah, right? It's my co-host name, you know. Thanks, Megoon. <laughs> and if you want to hear some more of Jeremy's stories, we, uh, our very first story that we premiered on Nobody Reads was Jeremy's story, The Houseplant, in season one, and also there's The Gatherings in season two. So check those out. Yeah, this one was really fun to do because I could, like, do some feminist things in there. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Ooh. I really, I, re I didn't expect this, like, wolfish monster to come out there at the end but it i was sure like, didn't either it just happened and she was okay <laughs> with it and i was like all right mary shelley and this character are down with it let's do this oh yeah i think mary shelley would approve <laughs> all right next up megan all right so this is one with the divine or if marie corelli were a modern woman by megan morrison through the billowing clouds, I rise above the dirty city, the city choked with coal fire, choked with endless black days, choked with poor wretches like myself, begging, always grinding and being ground into the mire. As I fly high, I feel the city fall off me like chains and I am weightless as never before. I hold my hand out, but not for a sixpence, not for an essential morsel of gold. I reach out to grab his hand, the hand of the golden angel who flies beside me. He is so bright, I can barely look at him. Each glance causes shivers through my eyes, but I cannot stop looking. In fact, I want to look more, look longer, as he clasps his fingers around my own and we fly higher, higher, higher into the heavenly realm above all things mortal, above the slope of the sky, above the stars burning bright, above the moon so beautiful and cold, until finally we fly into the sun and the golden angel kneels down beside a stunning throne made of fire and light. He beckons me to take my seat and I do. And then I look down and see my own hand is now a golden hand, now so bright, so beautiful, I can barely look at it. But I do and continue to stare even as my eyes shiver more, 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 until I can no longer distinguish the shivers, nor my eyes, nor any part of myself, until the sun and stars explode, and I lean back in my throne and survey the nascent galaxy before me. The end. 
I think Marie Corelli would be so proud. And you know what else? I actually think the listeners will like this one. So I think this is the bridge between the <laughs> gap because we love Mary Corelli over here, but our listeners do not usually. So we featured Marie Corelli's The Hired Baby in season one, and Jeremy and I had such a good time so doing excited. it. so excited. And love we love Marie Corelli. You love nice her. The 19th century author who was very popular at the time, her contemporaries were H.G. Wells and Rudyard Kipling, and she was out selling them in droves. And uh, she wrote a lot of what they called sentimental writing. It was about romance, but she was also, a lot of the themes in her writing was about Christianity and mysticism and uh, these wonderful ideas like astral projection and, you know, just kind of took it out there. And uh, I just love that that she was into that type of stuff, especially in the 19th century. I think it was a, a little bit unusual for a lady of her caliber at that time. So um, yeah, so thank you, Marie. And uh, I hope that she's not rolling over in her grave right now. <laughs> so Megan has done a piece like the first season, uh, right Megan? That's right. If you want to hear some more of my stories, there is In the Blood, which is in the beginning of season one, and uh, Plug In, which is at the end of season one. Megan, you made me nervous for a second since we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she's gone. We're going to tell you guys all about this later, by the way. We have one more special flash fiction piece. And Megan, I need a drum roll. This is like a special person. It's our very own Mark Lorden. We promise he's not just an invisible person, he actually exists. And he decided to write a piece for us. Yes, we're very excited to show you this story. So excited. All right. Hershey's Hell by Mark Lorden. Hershey did not expect to live a long life. In fact, he longed for the pulverization and dissolution that served as his death. Ultimately, he pondered, nestled in his waxed blanket. I won't be so different in the hereafter. Soft, brown, but oh, to be one with the multitude of foodstuffs. He was particularly looking forward to feeling his guts ooze between the great white pillars of the beyond, acknowledging that in many cases, this step is short-lived. He dreamed that his God would savor the moment, allowing him to flow and squish into every crevice and passage in that holy land. Then down the dark, damp chute he would travel, a prospect that frankly terrified Hershey, but he had faith that the mystical Peristal sisters would guide him to his final destination, right and true. Ecstatic acid bath, divine dissolution, merging with the multitude. But things did not go to plan. Hershey heard shouting, glass breaking, and then some rather violent sobbing. After what seemed like an eternity, a series of world-shattering tremors wrenched him loose of his comfortable blanket, his snug square room, the only thing he had known all his life. As he lay between the vaguely lustrous red cloth of his home and the slimy mottled brown and yellow monstrosity that pinned him in place, he wondered what he had done to deserve this. All he wanted, after all, 
was to be consumed in a lover's exchange. This was Hershey's hell. That was amazing, Jeremy. Thank you so much for that reading. I loved that. So Mark says about this story, like most holidays in modern times, commercial influence has permeated the vast majority of Valentine's Day traditions. I wondered how a pawn in this capitalist game may feel about its place in the world. And this little piece of chocolate popped into my head shouting, eat me, eat me, oh mighty dissolver. Mark is such a weirdo and this proves it. Great story told from the perspective of a piece of chocolate. Yes, and I love that, I love this story for many reasons, but I do love that we got to include a story like this that is told from the perspective of an inanimate object. And I love that Mark wrote it, and I'm just so happy that uh, we were able to uh, showcase Mark's artistic talents in the front, um, out into the world, as opposed to him just working his magic behind the stages. So thank you, Mark, for letting us share a part of you. And thank you listeners for listening to the stories. Hey, if you had one that you particularly liked, make sure to comment below and let us know what that is. We're nosy people over here. We like hearing from you all. Yes, we do. And let us know if you like the flash fiction format or if you don't, you know, let us know. We we do the show for you. So we want to know what you like and, and don't like. Um, if you haven't already, please go to our YouTube page and like and subscribe and tell your friends about all the, the free wonderful stories that you can find on YouTube. You can also uh, find us on Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you have those apps or if you don't have those apps, just download it and download our stories and you can take us with us wherever you go. And if you're liking us, like make sure to share us to your friends and family, uh, help us grow. Like we're here for you all. So like anybody you know that likes audiobooks or audibles, tell them we're here. Yes, and if you are a social media junkie, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you throw us some Twitter love, please use the hashtag NRSSpodcast. And if you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm watching this YouTube right now and I love these purple hearts and the yellow background. I just need more of these colors in my life. Well, let me, I sound like an infomercial person. Maybe <laughs> I can get paid to do that. Well, you're in for a treat, you all. For $55.99, you can have this pillow. Just kidding, it's not $55.99. No, and not only can you have that pillow, but you can also have a matching pair of leggings and fanny pack and dog cover and phone cover and people cover and uh, basically anything that you could possibly want in purple and orange. You can oh my find- gosh. And if you get all of these things and you wear them at the same time, please give us a picture. We will find a way to include it because that will be so epic. Oh yes, nothing would make us happier for you to send us pictures of you wearing our Nobody Read Short Stories merchandise out into the world. Um, Bring the 90s back. So, Absolutely. Um, so go to our website, Nobody Read Short Stories. You can find all of our merchandise information there. Today is the final day to submit your story to Nobody Read Short Stories Season 3 consideration. So uh, if you, we've already received so many wonderful stories. We can't wait to read them all. Um, thank you to everybody who has already submitted.
And I think we covered everything, Megan. Well, oh, yeah. we want to talk about all like the technical difficulties. So this is crazy. Okay, so Megan's in Mississippi right now, and I am in LA. So we both are dealing with electricity power problems, which is totally random. Like it couldn't have decided to do it any other time. It had to do when we're doing nobody <laughs> read short stories live. Like for us, it was like forty minutes before. Uh, Mark slash the producer slash my boyfriend was like, "Ooh, this is the perfect perfect opportunity to show how nerdy I am." We have like solar power technology in the back that he's really great with, and he found a way to connect the laptop and these lights and everything together. He's just really impressive. So it was cool that we were able to figure that out from our end, and I'm so glad that we didn't have any issues, Megan. Yeah. So tonight's episode is being brought to you by. Um, homegrown solar power in California and also is being brought to you live from Collinsville, Mississippi, also known as my niece's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I have a unicorn staring me in the eye right now. <laughs> Stink eyeing you? Oh yeah, totally. You're taking her room. <laughs> she was just here being a unicorn. I know. I think she's kind of mad. She's like, who are you? You're not 10. <laughs> It must be really creepy for her. All of a sudden, somebody comes in and... Oh, somebody new, yeah. It's probably like witchcraft to her. You're just doing spells, like all of these different little short stories. Yeah, exactly. But oh. anyway, she's, maybe she's just watching over me, and that's why we had such a great show. Thank you, Unicorn Baby. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Like, Make sure to like or dislike or just something for us. And... We will be back with another Cranky Talk next week. See you guys next week. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye. Bye. No one reads short stories anymore. I really don't know what they're written for. Go write a short story and throw it out the door. Cause no one reads your story Funny, sad, or gory No one reads your story